Welcome back to Kingdom Testimony. This is Lisa. It is August 15th, 2022. And we're reading Intramuros. We're getting down to the last few chapters. I think we have six chapters left. And my plan is to finish this up by Labor Day weekend. And after that, I will be out of town for a few weeks. And so I will be taking a break. Um, chapter 15 is where we left off. We're starting with a poem, I shall know the loved who have gone before, and joyfully sweet will the meeting be. When over the river, the peaceful river, the angel of death shall carry me. By Nancy A.W. Priest. The angel of death doesn't sound like a very... <clears throat> Nice way to be transported. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So much occurred, and so rapidly, from the very hour of my entrance within the beautiful gates, that it is impossible for me to transcribe it all. I've been able to only cull here and there incidents that happen day by day, and in so doing, many things I would gladly have related have unconsciously been omitted. Of the many dear friends I met, only a very few have been mentioned, for the reason that, of necessity, such meetings are so similar in many respects that the constant repetition in detail would become wearisome. I have aimed principally to give such incidents as would show the beautiful domestic life in that happy world, to make apparent the reverence and love all hearts feel toward the blessed Trinity for every good and perfect gift and to show forth the marvelous power of the Christ love, even in the life beyond the grave. This world, strange and new to me, held multitudes of those I had loved in the years gone by, and there was scarcely an hour that did not renew for me the ties that once were severed in the mortal life. I remember that as I was walking one day in the neighborhood of Mrs. Wickham's home, shortly after my first memorable visit there, I was attracted by an unpretentious but very beautiful home, house, almost hidden by luxuriant climbing rose vines, whose flowers of creamy whiteness were beyond compare with any roses I had yet seen in earth or heaven. Meeting Mrs. Wickham, I pointed to the house and asked, who lives there? Suppose you go over and see, she said. Is it anyone I know, I asked. I fancy so. See someone is even now at the door as though expecting you. I crossed over the snowy walk and flowery turf, for the house stood in an angle formed by two paths crossing, almost opposite Mrs. Wickham's, and before I could ascend the steps I found myself in the embrace of two loving arms. Bertha Sprague, I was sure it was you when I saw you go to Mrs. Wickham's a day or two ago. Did not she tell you I was here? I had no opportunity until today, I said, but dear Aunt Anne, I should have found you soon. I am sure you know that. Yes, I am sure you would. Then I recounted to her something of my visit to Mrs. Wickham's that eventful day. She listened with her dear face full of sympathy, then said, There, dear, you need not tell me. Do I not know? When the master comes to gladden my eyes, I have no thought or care for anything beyond, for days and days. Oh, the joy, the peace of knowing I am safe in this blessed haven. 
How far beyond all our earthly dreams is this divine life? She sat for a moment, lost in thought, then said wistfully, Now tell me of my children. Are they coming? I gladdened her heart with all the cheering news I could bring of her loved ones, and so we talked the hours away, recalling many sweet memories of the earth life, of friends and home and family ties, and looking forward to the future coming to us of those whom even the joys of heaven could not banish from our hearts. Then also another evening, as the soft twilight fell, and many of our dear home circle were gathered with us in the great flower room, we heard a step upon the veranda, and as my brother went to the open door, a gentle voice said, Is Mrs. Sprague really here? She is really here. Come and see for yourself. And sweet Mary Green entered the room. I'm so glad to welcome you home, she said, coming to me with extended hands and looking in, into mine with her tender, earnest eyes. My precious girl, I cried, taking her to my heart in a warm embrace. I've been asking about you and longing to see you. I could scarcely, scarcely wait to reach here when I heard that you would come. Now tell me everything, everything, she said, as I drew her to a seat close beside me. But the questions asked and the answers given are too sacred for rehearsal here. Every individual member of her dear home circle was discussed, and many were the incidents she recounted to me that had occurred in her presence when her mother and I were talking together and talking of the dear child we considered far removed from our presence. I was often so close that I could have touched you with my hand had the needed power been given, she said. After a long, close converse had been held between us, I took her to the library, whither the rest had gone to examine a new book just that day received. I introduced her to them all as the daughter of dear friends still on earth, confident of the welcome she would receive. My youngest sister and she at once became interested in each other, finding congeniality in many of their daily pursuits, and I was glad to believe they would henceforth see much of each other in many different ways. There was no measurement of time as we measure it here, although many still spoke in the old-time language of months and days and years. I have no way of describing it as it seemed to me then. There were periods and allotted times. There were hours for happy duties, hours for joyful pleasures, and hours for holy praise. I only know it was all harmony, all joy, all peace, and at all times and in all conditions. And that's the end of chapter 15. Thank you for joining me. And until next time, I pray you have a blessed day.